podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Another bid comes in for Brennan Johnson, but will they ever get to a price where Forrest may consider selling him? Welcome to this transfer update, which is live. Good morning, good evening, or good night, wherever in the world you are. Whatever time of day you're watching this, hope you're having a fantastic day. And welcome to the Daily Transfer News Live, though. Hope you guys are doing well. Good to see the guys in the chat already. Coming up in today's video, slash live thingy, we're going to be talking about Brennan Johnson, the latest bid which has been rejected. We're going to be talking about the hiccups in the road to Henderson. Does, does Sangare even want to come to Nottingham Forest? And we've got a bit more on the left back. So plenty, plenty to cover off. It's good to see you guys in there. Yes, I've got the new kit looking nice and dapper in it. And uh, for anyone buying it, it's quite true to its size. It's quite true to its size. Hope you guys in the chat are doing well. We'll come to, come to your comments in a minute. Here they go, Crypto. Exactly. Where is the sponsor? There you go. One on the side. Okay. So I want to firstly start off by talking about this new bid that's come in for Jono. We know that Brentford had originally bidded 30 million for him, which got rejected pretty instantaneously. And again, a new bid came in. It was 35 and add-ons that would have got it to about 40 mil. And that has also been rejected. And I think the speed of the rejection is quite interesting in itself. The speed tells you that they are nowhere near Forest valuation fee. And there are a few rumors and mutterings saying that Forest are holding out for 50 million, or if you like, 50 million would be the price that would take him over the edge and, well, Forest over the edge, and then Jono would be on his ways. I love the messages in the chat about what you lot think of the, uh, the Brentford team. Very nice. Look at that. Yeah, Maddie, you're a, you're a massive fan of them, aren't you? Uh, need to sell him, says Adam. We'll get on to your thoughts in just a second. But I think what's interesting is we still haven't heard anything from Jono on this. Now he's under no obligation to speak. But if you do recall when Scarpa was being chased around by some Turkish clubs, and was it Greek clubs? I can't remember which ones, quite a few. Then um, he came out on Instagram and basically said he's going nowhere. So although he's under no obligation to go, I think it would be good if he just came out and put everything to bed. Now, even if Jono was to come out, and let's say for argument's sake, he says he wants to stay at the club. But if financial fair play is going to kick into this, could there be an instance where Jono wants to stay, but the club wants to sell because someone does come in with 50 million? This one, I told you guys at the start of the window, this one's probably going to drag out till the end, and it could... I don't know, guys. What, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Do you think he will stay or go? Let me know in the live comments. And if you're watching later, obviously in the comments down below. If you think he's going, how much would it cost? I mean, Turbo here is saying 35 mil. Complete joke. I think, I think we may see, we may see a bit of a bidding war. If Villa is still looking to strengthen further, and the rumors are they have a bit of a war chest. And Brentford have clearly been interested in him for a long time. It could end up being what that's what we need. Let's assume, just for argument's sake, that Forrest need or wants or Jono wants to leave, whatever. All hypotheticals here. Um, we need a bidding war. 
that's the only way we probably get to that 50 million. And you are right, Wake Up. Spurs are interested too. And Spurs are the third ones that could come in. But the problem with Spurs is that they are tight-fisted. Like, getting money out of Daniel Levy, honestly, is just ridiculous. So I can't see Levy getting himself into a pricing war. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Let's see what the prices are that you guys are saying on Jono. Mark saying 50 mil plus add-ons. I think Forrest would accept probably 50 mil. I reckon if it was like 45 plus 5, maybe that that would work. Adam's saying, uh, I'm concerned about the space for him and Alanga. How do they both fit? Literally perfect, Adam. It's like you know exactly what the next point was. And that's what I want to talk about. How do all these players fit into the team? Now, if we are looking at, our, let's say, as the squad stands now, our foremost attacking players would be Jono, MGW, um, Alanga, and Awanyi, for example. I mean, I would probably consider Scarpa in there as well. But those four to play, what formation really fits it? Because Cooper looks like he's going to play with a back five, which probably means there's going to be only three attacking players. Now, either he's going to do a 4-2-3 uh, formation, sorry, a 3-4-3 three, three formation, where you'd have a one knee up top, let's say Jono on the right, and let's say Alanga on the left. Then maybe you're putting, what, MGW as a CM, playing slightly higher in the 10, then you're only leaving yourself with two in midfield unless the wingers can push forward, the wing back, sorry, and get themselves into that midfield four. I don't know if he's going to do that. So far, basing on what we've seen on these friendlies, it looks like he's going for more narrow formations where he's still packing out the midfield and playing with one and a half attackers. Now, yes, you can argue MG Dub has just come back from his summer break. You could argue that Jono is injured, but still fitting four into potentially three slots is going to be his headache. I even think at PSV, I don't think we're going to see the likes of MGW start. I know Cooper's come out and said that he will participate in that match. But I think what you might see is Alanga starting and being switched out for MGW maybe at the 60th minute mark. So I think there's going to be some of that where we still don't get to see the full attacking flair. And PSV are a good team. So... Are they, and the other thing, the other thing to consider, again, playing devil's advocate here, are they actually looking and potentially thinking about life without Jono? So could we see, say, a 4-3-3 formation where one he's put up top, MGW's put on the left, but drifting in towards that 10 position, and then Alanga on the right, or maybe you could switch those two around. So I think potentially, potentially, devil's advocate could be that's is that something they look at charlie asking how do i get the subscription if you want to become a member just put exclamation mark member in the chat and the link will appear like magic for you there bro um james saying scarpa can play right wing scarpa can play 10 he can play out on the right he can even play on the left but left is probably his weakest position and i do agree with you what crypto is saying here the four three two one or in fact i'd go the other way around the four two three one as Ben would say, I think would probably suit us. But that requires us to bring a CDM into the equation. And that's going to move us on to our next story, which is Sangare. Now, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now. We all know that we met with, well, the they met, sorry, his representatives met with us in Greece. And where it stands now 
is that Forrest may be willing to pay the release fee free fee clause, which is 37 and a half million euros, which is about 35 million pounds. Now, as we said to you the other day, there are rumors that there's a sunset clause on this of the 1st of August. I still have not been able to verify if this is true or not at all. So I don't know how, how likely it is. However, however, that's not the sticking point. The sticking point is two things. One, can Forrest buy him, obviously, with FFP in mind? Again, that may hint at Jono. I don't know. The other big sticking point, as we mentioned yesterday, is how does he feel about Nottingham Forest? And the noises coming out today is that he still thinks he can go higher than Forrest. Now, remember, with PSV, they finished second in the Dutch League last season. I believe they qualify for Champions League football. So coming to Nottingham Forest and not having European football may be a sticking point for him. And there is still talks that the likes of Liverpool are interested, although they are chasing um, the dude from Southampton as their priority target. And if that were to happen, then obviously they'll be out the Sangera race, Sangere race even. So I think really the point here is, do you want a player who wants to play at Nottingham Forest or do you want a player that's top-notch quality like Ibrahim Sangere and actually know that we weren't his first choice? And that's a bit of a conundrum. I personally don't care if he doesn't want to play at Forest. I think once you get a player in, once he smells the atmosphere, once he gets a taste for the club, they usually tend to buy into it. I think it's all about just convincing him to say yes. And I don't think there's too many others that are going to play in this pool with him. Apart from maybe you might see West Ham come into this. Their recruitment team, as we all know, just copies and pastes Forrest. We'll give you an update on that in a second as well. But I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Would you would you like to see him come even if he doesn't want to come? And do you think he would grow into loving the club? Or do you think, do you think he shouldn't come if he doesn't want to be here? I don't know. I don't know. I want him whatever. Let's see what you guys are saying in the comments. Ben saying Danilo and Sangare. Sangare are the best of, base of the midfield. Danilo moving a more advanced. MGW in the cam. Elanga, Jono either side of him in the wings and MGW up top. Yeah. Having a CDM will create us a lot of space that we can operate and risk uh, pushing players forward as well. 100%. But you do need that solid CDM. Um, well, we got Martin saying Liverpool chasing uh, for Lativa, Lativa uh, from Saints. Yeah, so they're in for him. He's their number one choice. Uh, Pooh Breath <laughs> saying it's a circus again. And Charlie saying sell for a lot of money and get someone who can pass. And that's the other thing. We do need ball passing players. Like it's been abundant. I'm not going to go on about it again. We talked about it earlier on. But the passing in the midfield right now is horrific. Too many balls passed backwards, not enough progressive balls played forward. And Sangere has good progression in him. Now, the other thing to talk about is that don't forget there are three choices that Forrest are interested in. In Sangere, in Tyler Adams, but he's injured, so he's got heavy question marks against him. And the third one would be Ndidi. We are probably going to do a comparison video on the three of them, to show you guys the strengths and the weaknesses and how they compare to each other. But that will be coming up shortly as well. So those are the first two stories. 
Uh, Maddie here is saying this is why we need to use a 4-2-3-1. WTF are you doing, Cooper? I know it's pre-season, but there's only two weeks left. The clock is ticking. Arsenal is round the corner. Adam's saying, I think Cooper works best with players who are young and wants to improve. And then uh, Steve saying, why no Biancone and Omar Richards so far? They're bleeding and back in really, really slowly. They're worried about their injuries and how they would react to on-game um, game time. And Crypto saying the passing in defense is horrendous too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, across the pitch, let's be honest, across the pitch, it's not that great. Uh, Gary Baldy forever saying, if Sangare that good, why ain't nobody in for him? Obviously, Liverpool think uh, Lavia is better. That is a very good question. The answer to that is, I don't know. There have been so many major clubs linked to him and no one's pulled the trigger yet. And let's be honest, at 30, 35 million, it's not really a bank breaker for a lot of the bigger clubs. And it looked like more so last summer that he was going to make the move into the Premier League with the likes of, I think Manchester United got quite close to signing him last season. Um, but what happened was he ended up signing a new contract at PSV. And that in itself put the whole breaks on for a deal to happen with him and a few others so maybe that's what it is and then what happened if you think about it I suppose I'd liken it a bit to the Jimmy Garner situation last summer Forest were interested in Jimmy Garner and then Manchester United under new management of Ten Hag he wanted time to have a look at him Forest didn't sit there waiting went and bought some new players in and by the time Ten Hag decided he didn't want Jimmy Garner anymore Forrest had already fully recruited and he would have been surplus to requirements. So it's kind of the same thing in a sense with Sangare that once he signed that contract last season, teams moved on and brought in other players. Like, for example, the Manchester United one who were the heaviest of the links to him, they went on and brought Casemiro at that time. So that may be why it is. But now we've had a 12-month cycle, potentially more and more clubs may be getting interested in him. Okay, so those are two of the stories. Uh, before we move on to the Hendo update, don't forget to hit that like button if you haven't already. Uh, let me know if you prefer these transfer videos live or you prefer them pre-recorded. So I don't know, you can watch it while you're on the toilet or whatever. Let me know. But please don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe if you are new to FFTV. Okay, so let's bring you up today on the latest with Dean Henderson. Somehow, someway, Forrest have managed to convince Manchester United, or should I say railroad the idea of this loan with obligation to buy. And that seems to be at the forefront of this deal. And it seems that a lot of these, uh, the parts of the deal have been cleared up and kind of agreed-ish on both sides. The sticking point is the obligation to buy games, from what I'm hearing. And there's been a few reports on it. Honestly, I've just got back about an hour ago, so I can't fully tell you how true or not these are, but it does make sense when you read what's being saying. So let's assume they're true for now. Manchester United don't want um, more than five games before the obligation to buy clause kicks in. And Forest are pushing for up to 30 games on the obligation to buy. So they are miles off in terms of agreeing an amount of time as well. And I can understand it from the Forest perspective on this one, because had Chris Wood had six games or five games um, with an obligation to buy, 
Right now, we wouldn't have had that invoice posted to us from St. James's Park saying, can we have our 15 million? Because he would have only played three games. I believe if memory serves me right, it was the fourth game where he picked up his dead leg injury and had a hematoma thing or whatever it's called and kept him out for the rest of the season. And then we wouldn't have been stuck with him. But it is what it is that we can't rewrite history. But I do feel this is why Forrester are approaching this one cautiously. Dean Henderson has to still now prove his fitness. His fitness is definitely an issue. This long-standing injury that he's had since January is now taking him into the summer. It was meant to be, I remember Cooper saying, it was meant to be a couple of weeks to start with. It's then extended. He had to have then have an operation towards the end of the season. And then over the summer, he was meant to be ready quite early in preseason. So we don't actually know the extent of the injury or the recovery time that's still left on it. But it looks like it could drag out towards the start, if not the end of the preseason. Start of the season, end of the preseason. So it is a worry. So I do understand Forrest wanting to be cautious on this one and push it more towards the 30 mark than the 5 mark. I think what you're going to end up seeing is an agreement somewhere in the middle. 15, probably, something like that. I did see a little uh, message come up saying, not, not in the chat, but um, on my feed saying that Manchester United would then want the money to be paid in the next transfer window in January. And I don't think that would work for Forrest. Forrest needs to push any, uh, any Hendo payments into the next transfer cycle, aka after the end of next season. So overall... I still think there's a bit of negotiation left on this one, but it does seem like the parties are still talking and they're getting closer and closer. And all the time, Dean Henderson is being left in limbo. Um, right, what are you lot saying in here? There's a lot of back and forth coming through. <coughs> Get rid of the ghost, says Chapa. I assume he's talking about Froiler. Uh, thoughts on Forest versus Leeds. Watch the video from this afternoon, Charlie. I, I say... Uh, Probably more than I should have on that one. Let them have him, says Ben. Are you talking about who there? I can't remember. And Chapo saying, shame Saudi clubs didn't come in for him and Dennis. You lot talking about Dennis. Okay. Uh, James saying, no vids of him kicking a ball. Can he run in a straight line yet? <laughs> That's a classic. And that is an absolute classic. If you know what we're talking about, the straight lines, you know. And then Samir saying, uh, we should have had other targets for goalkeepers. You're spot on. To be fair to Forrest, we've had a lot of goalkeeper targets. But I do think that Forrest should have signed one of those targets. There is an argument to say that Dean Henderson's distribution is not the best. Dean Henderson, uh, is it his fault that his distribution's poor? It's hard to say. He was playing in the time where we were really, really low blocky football, had no counter-attack within us. And he didn't really have any people coming to make themselves open to pass him the ball. In terms of shot stopping, I think he's really good. But I will take you guys back to the Man U fan base. And they always thought that Dean Henderson's distribution was his stronger point in comparison to De Gea. Now, I know that's a low bar to set with De Gea's distribution, but from what we've seen on the pitch, you cannot objectively say that his distribution has been good. Whether you blame him or whether you blame the players around him for not making themselves open, statistically, his distribution is quite poor. So I get the point on that. I get the point on that. And yes, we have had other targets that Forrest are interested in. But I do feel that Cooper is pushing for this Dean Henderson one. 
and he is his number one choice. And as we mentioned to you a, a week or so ago, there was a chat with Maranakis and Hendo, basically a, a gentleman's handshake that we will come in and try and get you. So it is what it is. Uh, Stoney saying, honestly, I think we've had a pretty poor transfer window. We've had one good signing and one questionable one, but three. We've uh, we filed, we've filled no one. We've filled none of the holes we need to. I am tired. Filled. Struggles to read the word filled. My God. I get what you're saying on that. I do get what you're saying. But there still is a month and two days left of the window. My biggest bugbearer about this transfer window is the initial talks that Forrest was saying they wanted to get their players players in early to give them a full preseason. And realistically speaking, if that was their targets and their objectives and they haven't met them because only two have come through the door. And I still do feel it's this Dean Henderson deal that is slowing everything down. At the sharp end is saying we can have whoever we want in the team, but it's no good if we can't pass the ball to each other. Cooper needs to change their play or we'll have another tough season. I can't argue with that one at all, as the mentality of the play does need to change. Look, I've seen a lot of the comments from the video this afternoon. I get what well, a lot of you seem to be agreeing with what I'm saying, but there are a lot that a few, well, a few-ish to a lot, saying it's preseason, it's preseason, it doesn't matter. I 100% agree on that point. Nothing matters until the whistle goes at 12.30 against Arsenal at the Emirates. Then everything matters. But at the same time, you want to see some progress and i'm gonna make them narrow the window down here from the Notts county match to the leeds match have we seen much change all this minutes in the leg line i can't stand that line anymore doesn't make any sense because when you play a match it's not about minutes in the leg for me it's about gaining match sharpness that's the key one for me and are we seeing match sharpness being gained by a lot of these players like, i'm not going to get into a rant but sunday night Trust me, the live stream, Gore, all of this will be dissected. Whether you like what we say or not, it'll be our opinions. And of course, we'll get your opinions on as well. Okay, Phil, thank you so much for the eight months, buddy. How's eight months flown by? That's absolutely crazy. All right, again, hit that like button if you haven't already. Okay, let's move on to the next story. So that was Dean Henderson and his stumbling block. The other one is Alanga. Alanga has a 5 million add-on clause put into his contract. And it's one that I feel, I hope, we will have to pay. And it's European football. If Forrest were to gain European football, then we would need to pay Manchester United a further 5 million. And that, for me, would be fantastic. I would love to pay that 5 million. I I feel, and from what I'm he- what I've heard, is this is throughout the length of his contract. So, for example, if we don't get you know Champions League this year, then it doesn't matter. If we get Champions League in three years or Europa or whatever it is, or the Euro Trash Cup, any time within his contract, then five million will have to go Manu's way, and that for me would be fantastic. Would be fantastic. Turbo's saying, LOL, that's too optimistic, Wolverine. Look, look, right. I will say this, right? I'm sure you've all seen, well, if you haven't seen my Sky interview where I predicted, well, I won't say what I predicted, but let's just say it wasn't as high as my fourth prediction last year. Um, Look, I'll always say this. In football, nothing is guaranteed. If someone were to say Forrest could win the league, yeah, technically speaking, they are correct. 
yeah? Realistically speaking, not so much. But technically, until it's mathematically impossible, it is possible, right? So the other thing is, if anyone was to say, let's say seventh or eighth, okay? Technically speaking, not impossible. Probable, maybe. But what I would say is, who predicted that Forest would go from the bottom of the championship up through the playoffs in the season where it looked doom and gloom? Who of the pundits would have predicted, or anyone, would have predicted that Leicester and Leeds would go down last season? Who would have predicted that all three promoted teams would survive? So anyone who sits there and poo-poo's anyone's prediction, until you can tell me you can see into the future, a prediction is a prediction. It's always done with a bit of fun, with a bit of joke, and probably a lot of the time, the heart. But you cannot say anything's impossible when, uh, logically speaking, it is. It is. So yes, as crap as we are playing, I still, my heart still tells me we are the best team in the world. Two stars, baby. Two stars. They still mean something. So that's where I am on it. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, ben 11th. Oh, you're so negative, Ben. You're so negative. Okay. Let's move on and talk about the next item on the agenda. And that's just a little bit more on the defender, that left-back situation, that Forrester clearly desperate to get in through the door. And that was the Adrian, 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 Adrian uh, Trefair. Trefair, I think that's how you pronounce it. Stony with the nine months. Thank you so much, Stony with the nine months. Appreciate it, bud. Um, and yeah, he's again, I haven't learned anything new on him since this morning in terms of seeing him play or anything like like that. But I'm told from reliable people that he has abundance of pace. I don't really believe it. Strong in the tackle and a good sense of positional awareness as well. However, however, the rumored price for him is around 15 to 17 million pounds. And as Wake Up has said. This is going to shock you guys. West Ham are after him. But, 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 there's a role reversal in this one. West Ham wanted him first, and now Forrest are interested in him. Oh my God, what is going on? Are we sharing recruitment teams with West Ham? Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, I can't honestly comment on him too much. Haven't seen him play. But if he hasn't, put it this way, without sounding like a... Uh, I know a lot about FIFA, all kind of person. Screw it, I will. If I ain't seen him play, there's a reason. There's a reason for it. So I don't know how good he is or not. But yeah, Forrest will probably be going up for him with West Ham. But there are still talks, very heavy links into uh, Jacobs as well. He still seems to be being negotiated at the same time. Again, he's not the greatest of players. More attacking than defending. We need a balance. You know who we needed? Lodi, 11 million. Anyway, he didn't want to come, but it is what it is. Okay, so that's that one as well. I want to get through a few of your comments here. And I think it's an interesting one from Tommy. We currently don't have enough quality at centre-back to regularly play a three at the back. I agree with that. And I would also say we don't have enough to play with a four at the back either. Because our two best defenders, and I don't haven't met anyone who would probably, maybe there is, maybe there is. Would anyone argue with me if I said that Nia Kate 
and Felipe are our best two centre-backs currently on the books. You could then have the debate of who's number three. I personally would put Bolly in at number three. I think he's more consistent than Worrell. Then I'd go Worrell, McKenna, Cook. Something like that. I mean, Cook, he, he surely will be gone soon. So I get exactly what uh, Tommy's saying there. And I do think Forrest will need to strengthen. I mean, we're going to be playing Frankfurt, who have Indica. And then Dicker would fit right in, literally slot straight in. Uh, but he's expensive. So keep an eye out for him when Forrest play Fra- Frankfurt if he gets the game. He is absolutely fantastic. But Forrest are not quite there yet on what they can spend to bring these, like the next tier up in from the Neocartes really is probably going to take us another two seasons of establishment within the Premier League before we can. So... I agree with Tommy. I do think we, has he gone to Roma? Oh, he did as well, didn't he? And he went for decent money. You're right, Andrew. It's all coming back to me now. Just like uh, Celine Dion. Was it Celine Dion who said that? But yeah, but either way, we are not there yet on being able to afford someone at that level. Not because the Greek father's pockets aren't deep, just because of the whole financial fair play stuff. So We needed another season or two of establishment in the Premier League and then potentially with a new stadium all sorted out, maybe, who knows? Maybe some players kind of emerging, maybe what um, Ross Wilson's doing with his guy uh, Mahone in the academy. Really what I'm expecting to see from there is them trying to churn out the youth players and develop them and get them so they become profit because youth players coming through the academy are the golden gems. And I'm not necessarily talking about them playing for Forest, but I'm talking about selling them out for 5 million here, 3 million there. It's all profit that goes to the bottom line. There's no, like you can put the whole thing on the books when it comes to FFP. Uh, Wake up saying we need at least three. I think that's probably a bit too much. (laughs) But if you think that, cool. Chapo, yeah, Tar is definitely good. Tar, I would take. Obviously, Forrest were linked with him in January. There's been no links whatsoever with him currently in this window. The main strongest link we've had on the centre-back is the Greek kid who is really, really good. And uh, what's the guy's name? Hanisipia. I can't remember his name, but he's the one I want. He's so good that I can't remember his name. You got to love live, man. Can't edit this out, can I? So... He's the one I would prefer. He can kind of play at left back as well. And he's an absolute beast, beast of a defender. So I really like him. Spurs 35 million plus Spence, anyone? I think, Mark, we've got too many right backs at the moment. That's the problem. Because um, Einar coming in can play right or he can play left. We will find out at PSV which side he will end up playing on. But potentially, naturally or at least what he did last season, he predominantly played at right back. So for me, thank you, Ben. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. That's exactly the guy I want. He's next level. So for me, I would probably prioritize a centre-back over a right back. Look, for me, the number one priority still is CDM. Obviously, we need a goalkeeper. That's a given. I'm not too fussed about left backs at the moment. I wanted Lodi, but it's done. I really do think Omar Richards is a good left back slash left wing back. It's just a question of his fitness. But come on, man. He's had a whole year's rest. If I rested for a whole year, I'm sure I could find 90 minutes in the tank. That's the Greek one as well. Mavronopoulos. So thank you, Dino, for that one. He's really good. 
So I would be happy with all of those. But here's the problem, guys. The problem is to finance these players, these ones you're listing, it's going to cost us Johnson. That's the bottom line. If Forest want to progress, they may need to digress to progress. And that's the equation and probably the discussion and the headache that the Forest hierarchy are having right now. It's going to be interesting, just going back to our lead story again with Johnson. If a bid comes in for 40, 45, 50 million, somewhere in that region, I personally think Forrest won't be rejecting it on the same day. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that they will accept it, but for sure there will be a sit down and a discussion about what happens. And I don't think it will matter if Jono wants to stay or go. If Forrest can you know, put themselves with a lot of leeway when it comes to FFP, then they would be silly not to sit down and discuss it. Now, I'm not saying I want Jonathan to go. I know what the comments will be like, but potentially, potentially, before this window opens, will Jono be leaving Forest? I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, N2 says, Cooper says Richards needs game time without giving him game time. <laughs> Uh, Andy's saying, I remember saying last season Warrell was a liability. I don't want to talk about Warrell um, because I've already said after, well, after cussing him down when he was crap last season and then praising him when he was good at the end of the season, I did say five games doesn't make him Aldini. So with every player, I'm not really judging them in terms of mistakes at preseason as frustrating as they are. I want to see what they're going to do when the real pressure's on and it hits. I I probably do agree with you. I don't think Worrell will ever be that that out and out, you know, Felipe esque centre back. But what I will say is he plays a lot better when Felipe and Nia Curte are around him and can kind of kind of guide him and help him in his development. That's what I feel. Okay, let's get in a couple of your questions. And then we'll wrap it up. Tommy saying, what's the latest on Tuffalo in regards to the betting charges? His deadline to respond to betting expires about 10 days ago. Has he admitted to it? If he gets a ban, how long until it comes into effect? So at the moment, because that's a legal case, not too much will get shared about it. But we can run some parallels to what happens to Bet365 Tony. But there is a major difference between the two. Because it will depend on whether or not Tuffalo continued to gamble after the alleged, and all this is alleged, by the way, I've got to say that, um, after the alleged incidents that have happened at his time in Norwich. And why do I say that? Because Bet365 Tony was still gambling up until whenever it was. It was proven that he had an addiction. Therefore, there was a leniency in regards to his sentencing. And I think a few of the charges got dropped. If Tuffalo hasn't been gambling let's say it was a one-off alleged i'll say i'll just keep saying that word um alleged incident and he's not done anything since then that could potentially be perceived as a non-gambling addiction therefore his punishment could end up being longer than tony's but in terms of what we do know and what we don't know no one really knows too much when it comes to these these legal issues. We know he's still being treated as if nothing is happening in the club. He's still with the team training, etc. And he probably has just put it into his lawyer's hands to sort all out. And I'm sure he'll be getting the support and the requirements for the club. However, what I will say on it is he has become unsellable. 
Obviously, we nearly sold him last January to the A team. And the A team, I make him sound good when I say that. Andelect, the scum. Um, but he got pulled back at the 11th hour. Right now, no one will touch him. So I can't see Tuffalo being sold because, just like with Tony, when the charges were over their head, you don't know. You don't know if he's going to be hit with a six-month ban, a one-year ban, a two-year ban, a lifetime ban. You don't know. So it'd be too risky for any club to come in for him. So I think it's safe to assume that he will be a Forest player until the legal side of things plays itself out. Okay, let's grab two more questions, I think, and then let's see. Uh, good news is Warrell's in the last year's contract, says Nick, but I believe he's in negotiations on a new one. Um, as I say, I get everyone's annoyed with what Warrell did yesterday, but I would say, look, it was a stupid mistake. It really was. Mistakes happen. He's done plenty of them over the season. But it was in a friendly. At least it wasn't against, I don't know, Sheffield United or something. Or against Bournemouth and passing the ball back when a throw-in was put in. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Who was that? No, that wasn't Worrell. It was McKenna. But the point I'm making there is all of our centre-backs, all of them, including Felipe, have made mistakes throughout the season. Felipe, mistake in one of the late games, I think against Chelsea. Nia Kate giving away a penalty against Newcastle in the last minute and cost us a point. Yes, Worrell's mistake list is a lot longer than the rest of them, but it's it's harsh to go in on him over a mistake. What I will say, his performance in that second half was atrocious yesterday, mistakes or not. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're human. They will make mistakes. And football is about minimizing your mistakes. Um, and the next thing as well, that low block for you, too much constant pressure. That is the comment of the night. If you keep getting put under pressure on your defensive line, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have Maldini bring back Roberto Carlos out of retirement at left back, bring out um, Carlos Alberto at right back and bring out, I don't know, Brazy at center back. You will still concede goals when you are under that much pressure. And when a championship club can put you under that much pressure, as we saw yesterday, and it wasn't even their first team, then that's why you got to start thinking. You know, it's it's crazy. Okay. Uh, what do I think will happen against Arsenal in the first game of the season? I think we'll lose, but I don't think we'll lose heavy. I think we will play low block. And against the low block team, you're never going to score that many goals anyway. Um, even if we go 1-0 down, you won't suddenly see a mentality change of first thinking, all right, we're behind in the game. Let's uh, try and get ourselves back in it. It'll be 1-0 is okay. Let's take that and go and try and beat Sheffield United. At least, but I don't know. It's still two weeks away. Look, all of these conversations will cover off on Sunday night. And then next Sunday night, of course, we've got the live podcast. So if you haven't already, we've been down there today talking to the Trent Navs boys, sorting out all the sound, all the, uh, all the visuals and everything. The venue is fantastic. I'm sure a lot of you have been there. If you haven't been there, come and join us on Sunday, August the 6th from 3 p.m. There's only a couple of tickets left and the link is in the description. Just to add, though, they will be accepting um, admission on the day. So if you find yourself free on that Sunday and you're in and around the area, you are able to walk in and pay on the door as well. Okay, so 
Slightly different today. I know usually it's just a recorded video for the live transfer news, but I thought, hey, it'd be a bit of fun to do it with you guys. So I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to see more of these live transfer videos live, let me know down in the comments below and we will do it more often for you. Maybe when there's a huge, big breaking story. So guys, please, with over what, 200 of you in here, 50 likes, please hit that like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to FFTV if you are new. Go grab your new Forest shirt, man. Which is your favorite kit? This is growing on me. But look, there's a big missing space here for a sponsor. Come on, Forest, sort it out. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. And come on, you Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.